I'm Julian Edelman from Games With Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time with the players and coaches who lived in them. Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Or what about the, the after parties? We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Dow of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali in 1988, and surprisingly, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story and also stories of others touched by the champ. Listen to The Dial of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. We did, but honestly, I was left with more questions than answers, Tony. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. And I'm Michael Costa, comedian from The Daily Show. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1. Our F1 102, if you will. And get all of the answers. All of them? Listen to Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome into another edition of In-Game Live right here on SportsGrid, where we give you the edge. My name is Dane Martinez. I got my main man, George Kurtz, with us. And for the next couple of hours, we are going to catch you up on the world of sports and also how you can make some money off of it. That is what we do here at SportsGrid. That's why you tune in every weekend to check us out. And, George, since we last spoke, you know, there was an important deadline in the NFL calendar, in my opinion. I know as a Cowboys fan, it's in your opinion as well. Anybody who was friends franchise tagged okay a couple of weeks or months ago at this point had until this Wednesday July 15th to in essence sign their long-term deal and for some they got paid for others they could not come to a deal and to be quite honest I think the the long-term futures of a couple of players and a couple of franchises may have been up in the air and in the midst with it but I want to start with someone who did get paid um, at on Wednesday as a result of kind of this dead Line, and it's running back for the Tennessee Titans, George, Derrick Henry. To be quite honest, I was a little bit surprised that they did, in fact, give him a longer-term deal. And I think Derrick Henry did pretty good. It is a four-year, $50 million deal, about $25 million of this was guaranteed. He comes in at about 12, 12 and a half million a year. He got paid uh, pretty much more than anybody else in the running back market right now. I get that he probably deserves it being the NFL's leading rusher. What was your reaction to this extension with Tennessee? I am with you, first off. Uh, listen, when you talk about the business of football, there's right. no doubt that Derrick Henry deserved the money. All right. This is not about deserve the money. He had a great year last year. He carries that team. Without him, they're a completely different football team, sure. both on the field, their persona, everything. But if I'm the general manager of a football team, with the way Derrick Henry plays, which is mm-hmm. pretty much he's a Mack truck, he's going to go through you. He's not really trying to go around you all that much. Mm-hmm. He wants to go through you. His shelf life is shorter. An injury, literally, I mean, I understand we can say this about any player and any running back, but an injury to Derrick Henry is it does seem more likely to me at any point. And sooner or later, that skill level is going to drop. It just, it just is. He's not going to have it anymore. So like you, I, I didn't think Henry would get done. Because I think if I'm a GM of a team, I'm going year to year. And I, could, I could have had it for two years and then, and then see what happens here. I would have gone year to year. Uh, I did not expect Derrick Henry to sign long-term. Not that he signed long, long-term, but I did not expect Titans really to come to the table. Maybe they had you know, they met in the middle somewhere and Tennessee felt good about that. But like you, I did not expect Henry to sign. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, going year to year with a guy like Derrick Henry is exactly the way you should play it. Do I want him for this year? Absolutely, right? But the idea, you mentioned the term shelf life. 
George. And I think that's what it comes down to, especially the kind of back that Derrick Henry is. The fact that you're going to give him this money four years down the road, the fact that there is guaranteed money there is intriguing to me. I thought this was actually the perfect case to kind of franchise him and then see what you've got because I don't think the back end of this deal is going to look good. In fact, I thought they were primed, they being the Tennessee Titans, to in essence chew him up and spit him out. Right, George? Like, that's the way I thought they were going to play it. I actually thought they were going to give him, you know, the amount of carries that we don't see these days anymore. He was going to be a workhorse for that team. He's primed and ready to do so in the short term. But, you know, I thought they were going to, unfortunately for Derrick Henry, like squeeze every juice at, drop out of the orange. And then whoever did sign him afterwards was going to have to deal with, you know, the declining shelf life of a Derrick Henry. Do you think now that they have him for four years, George? I guess my question for you would be this. Do they manage his load in a different way than they might have for the 2020 season when they know they have a chance, they see themselves as a contender? How do you now manage this, a la a Kawhi Leonard or all of these other guys? Are you going to try to play him differently to stretch him out over four years, George? I think your general manager would like that. Right? He just suddenly wants to see him healthy for as many years. Right. And I'm sure we're going to hear the coach or the staff say, oh, yeah, we're going to manage his workload. We'll hear that in July. Right. As soon as they get canceled, we'll hear that in August. As soon as, uh, what's the phrase, the bullets start flying, the game's right, over. Right, right, right. You're using your best player. You're just using your best player. And what, And by the way, what's even tell about Derek, Derek Henry in this context, when does he get good? When he plays, oh, multiple carries deeper into the games where defense right. is like, I don't want to tackle this man that's anymore. Right. Well, it gets so colder outside at the end of the season. He has to play. He just ha That's when he's effective, when he gets those carries and teams are tired. They don't want to hit him. It hurts when you hit him, or he hits you for that matter. So it's a, it's a tough situation to be in. I said, I wouldn't have done it. I'm like you. I would have wanted to go year to year. They decided not to. Maybe they just feel, hey, we're in a window here. We got right. a shot. We have Ryan Tanhill. We don't know. Well, we signed him, but we're not really sure about him. We got Henry. We got a good defense. We're going for it now. Well, well, listen, I mean, this is kind of – I say this every time. I don't know if I've said it to you, George. I, I think the Los Angeles Rams were a cautionary tale. Uh, on what Tennessee and maybe even to a lesser extent Dallas is doing right now, right? They gave Jared Goff the big money when some people would say the jury was still out on him. They paid their wide receiver room, you know, to the nth degree. They paid Todd Gurley as well. And then the financial walls closed in, making their window very, very short. I quite frankly think it is closed and it, ever, it has been ever since the Patriots beat them in the Super Bowl. Tennessee, you mentioned Tannehill. They signed Tannehill. They give Derrick Henry this money that it's Sounds like you and I don't necessarily agree with in terms of like financial allocation and team building. Are you a believer short term in these Tennessee Titans? Because it seems like that's what they're doing. They're locking it up because they think they could do it right now. As I look at the Tennessee Titans, their win total is eight and a half. People do think they are a playoff contender. Are you a believer, George? Super Bowl? No, no, they're not there with the Chiefs. They're not right. there with the Ravens. I'm not even so sure they're there with the Bills. That being said, this is one of the better football teams. They're a good overall. Do I truly believe in Tannehill? No, not yet. <laughs> you need to show me again. He didn't do all that well in the playoffs. right? I'm not saying it was his fault, but playing right. against better teams, better defenses, all of a sudden he was Ryan Tannehill again. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. But I do think this is a very good football team. They're good all around, very good defense, good special teams, very well coached, and the offense has potential. So we'll see what happens there. It's a interesting division. I don't know what the Colts are going to be like because Philip Rivers, I can, I can have all the same questions here about Philip Rivers. I mean, you got to think the Texans take a big step backwards without their Andre Hopkins. It'll be much tougher on Watson, and Jacksonville is playing for the number one pick next year. So we'll see how that works out. But I think they're a good team, but I think there are at least two teams, maybe three, that are clear cut better than they are. Yeah, I mean, you talked about how Tannehill performed in the playoffs. You know, one could also argue, though, that ironically, 
That's the poison defenses were picking to stop Tannehill. And that's what let Derrick Henry go for 150 yards, 180 yards, 120 some odd yards. But we will see Tennessee definitely an interesting team in the AFC. You mentioned that there are three teams or two, probably better. One of them probably resides in Kansas City where they were spending money. Not only have they locked up Patty Mahomes for half a billion dollars, but Chris Jones, their stud interior lineman is another guy who we thought may have been franchised, but then they did agree on the money. Outside, for me at least, George, of Aaron Donald and Fletcher Cox, this is one of the best, if not the best, interior defensive linemen in the NFL, and it's clear that Kansas City thinks so. They're locking up their assets as well. They decided to extend Chris Jones. What's your reaction to this one? Unlike Henry for the Titans, I think the Chiefs needed to do this one, and I like the extension. Well, I love the signing. I didn't think it would get done again. Right. Once again, I didn't. Listen, the, the safe bet always with franchise players is that it's not going to get done. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I think I set the over under on football full circle at two and a half. And, okay. Uh, and we all bet the under. That's the hilarious thing. No one <laughs> thought it was going to go over. Because should have said at one and a half. So uh, it is what it is there. I did. I just thought though with the Mahomes signing that maybe they wouldn't be able to get it done. I thought Jones wanted Aaron Donald type money, and maybe the Chiefs weren't quite there with them. Uh, but good for the team for getting it done. Listen. They've drafted well. They signed their best players. This is a team that, listen, no one's ever going to be the Patriots where they're going to be good for decades, but they're going to be good for a few I mean, years. They're set up they to are. do so. I don't I think, think they to- are. Right. I, I, to be quite honest, the biggest piece of this for me is how long does Andy Reid want to continue coaching, right? Because he could, if he's there for the next decade, they are set up to be able to be good for a very long time. And that's why we led last week, George, incredibly the Mahomes deal is actually like team friendly and this is part of that right being able to have a Chris Jones on the roster at the money he commands that that deal is definitely team friendly Mahomes could have done and once again when I say this I would have taken the Mahomes deal as well okay you give me all that money I'm not turning it down (laughs) but if he wanted to and I don't say say he's greedy but he could have commanded so much more there's so many different ways or avenues he could have taken with his contract. He wanted, uh, I always want to have 19% of the cap. You know, I always want to be a top three quarterback. You know, or I want to be the number one quarterback, whatever it might be. He could have done any of this. He could have asked for more money up front, more guaranteed. He only got 100 and what? 120, 140 million guaranteed. 40 or so, yeah. And I thought it was going to be 200, at least 200. I thought he'd reset that barometer Mm -hmm. because he's that kind of quarterback. And I think that it's the reason you mentioned here because he wants to win. He knows he's never going to spend this money. I want all these other players. I want the organization. I want you to promise to me that you're going right. to go out and sign Chris Jones. You're going to go out and sign a Travis Kelsey type. You sign my wide receiver. Sign my offensive lineman. And I get that, you know, because I think I'd be that kind of person too. I'm not looking for every last dime. I want to be well taken care of and have my kids, 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 kids taken care of. And I want to win. Or I want to compete. I don't want to get my butt kicked out here. So I get what he did there. But you're absolutely right. That is a that's a team friendly deal more than people realize. Yeah, and then so this allows for a guy like Chris Jones. You know, Travis Kelsey will be coming up eventually. Tyreek Hill. You got to keep the band together. And I would venture to say, George, that if the guy does, in fact, over the next decade win, you know, four Super Bowls, three Super Bowls, the rest of this will write itself. And he will make enough money from all of his endorsements and all of the love that will go his way that his kids, 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 kids will be just fine, not to mention the five. million that he will already get. The franchise tag deadline, though, George, is very interesting for a number of other ways, right? And when we come back, we're going to talk about a couple of different ways. One is in a big, high-profile quarterback that did not come to a deal in Dallas. There's also been a high-profile player that, in essence, with the franchise tag, wanted to be traded, demanded a trade, went back and forth with the kind of president of the team and social media wanting a trade. And then also, and I want to get your thoughts on this one, George, I think there were a couple of players that had kind of positional flexibility where the market actually, in my opinion, did them dirty because of the way the NFL goes these days. I'm talking about Shaq Barrett and Bud Dupree, who were technically tagged as linebackers. Although, if you look at them on the field on Sundays, and if you look at the sack numbers for Shaq Barrett, 
maybe they should have been tagged as something different, and that creates a very interesting story as well. We'll cover that. We'll talk about Yannick Ngakwe and his back and forth in Jacksonville. And then, of course, George, we will talk about Dak Prescott. How is he playing it, and will he go the Kirk Cousins path? We'll do all of that when we come back right here on In Game Live. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. I'm Julian Edelman from Games With Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time. I'm talking Hall of Famers, MVPs, gold medalists. I absolutely hate the Colts, bro. This game, I swear, led to the deflategate. Hey, guys, this ball's a little flat. <laughs> Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Julian walking around. I'm pretty sure he had his shirt off for reasons I'm not sure. He was saying, gotta believe. Oh, you gotta believe. From 18-1 with Eli. You call him Bill just a cheater? Is that what you're I'm saying right saying now? He's, he's looking for an advantage. The 2004 ALCS with big copy. The Red Sox in 2004 bounced back after the 3-0 in a winner chicken dinner. Homie. The immaculate reception with Terry Bradshaw. Fired the ball. I hear the roar of the crowd. I never thought he caught the ball, but he did. We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Tao of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali back in 1988, and to my great surprise, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on family, spirituality, and on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story and also stories of others touched by the champ, including people such as Reverend Al Sharpton, and James Buster Douglas. We'll even hear from Muhammad's daughter, Rashida. Well, my dad was, he was Peter Pan. Like he never really grew up. He was very mature when it came down to social issues. He was very in tune. He felt a responsibility to be able to share his connection to millions of people who were in need. In each of these stories, we share lessons, lessons that have meant a great deal to me and that I hope will be meaningful to you. Listen to The Tao of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. Lily Herman, my co-host in season one, helped me choose a team, a driver, and then... Well, we sent you on your jolly way. Yeah. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. I'm Michael Costa, comedian, Daily Show correspondent. And we're back with season two because, as it turns out, F1's newest fan is still a little dazed and confused. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1 as we dive deeper into the rabbit hole of the pinnacle of motorsports. Who makes money here? What's CFD? How do you manage a tire? You, get back in there. What are the rumors? What's the gossip? But you also know that someone's listening to your radio. Uh, I'm going to pull up a picture of a tea cozy. I, I want to see what this thing looks like. Are you going to be doing that accent this whole pod? Listen to season two of Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts. Or wherever you get your podcasts. You find it. everybody to in-game live right here on sports grid dane martinez and george kurtz catching you up on the week that was in sports and how to make some money coming off of it well here's the thing george dak is going to make his money one way or another right and we we started the show with the franchise tag deadline we, we started with good news right derrick henry they came to terms you know, Chris Jones, they came to terms. Well, in Dallas with Dak, not the same thing. We got word that maybe at the 11th hour they were starting to have conversations, but Dak will, in fact, play under the franchise tag, which I believe is $31.4 million. And, George, that is a nice raise from the $2 million he was getting last year. And we are now in an interesting position. I mentioned Kirk Cousins because it seems like it's following a similar trajectory, right? So there's the idea that they could have come to a long-term deal. 
they did not. So he's going to play this year. We're kicking the can down the road, George. He may do this again, but it goes up to $38 million. So here's the deal, George. Dak is going to get around $70 million over the next two years, whether it is from Dallas or potentially somebody else. What did this deadline coming and going mean for you as someone who I know is plugged into the Dallas Cowboys more than almost anybody else I know? What does this mean long term for the relationship between Dak and Dallas? It's interesting. Uh, there are some Kirk Cousins comparisons to what the yeah. franchise tag. The only difference is Dallas, Jerry Jones has made good offers. Dak wants a great offer. Yeah. All right. There's a lot of rumors coming out that Dak Prescott would not accept a Patrick Mahomes offer. He doesn't want to be locked up for more than four years. That seems to be the huge right, thing. Right, the four versus five, yeah. Right, he just wants the four, nothing more. That's what he wants. And then he's going back out there. I think some of this might be because Dak, you just saw, made the joke, $31 million from $2 million. Yeah. He played, as far as the NFL is concerned, he played for chump change. Yeah. The last couple of years. And now he, want, he wants his money. He wants that money. He's not doing the Patrick Mahomes where I'll, be, I'll do what's good for the team. He wants to be paid. Mm -hmm. And uh, listen, when I say that, once again, not blaming him. All right, you want your money, you, you deserve your money. And he certainly deserves uh, to be paid. What, uh, the problem I have is Jerry, Jerry Jones has made uh, competitive offers. The last offer we heard, which came yesterday, was that he offered $34 million, which would put him behind Mahomes and Russell Wilson with over $100 million guaranteed. Now, we don't know how it was structured. You know, that could have been a turned-off point. We don't know that. But Dak wants more than that. And that's sort of the issue there. You know, Dak wants to be paid, really, I'm guessing close to that $40 million that we heard of. Right. At one point, what, last year that came out? I think he wants close to that. And that's a gamble for the Cowboys. Because if you look at it, once again, his numbers look great. But they a lot of those numbers come against poor teams or in garbage time when the Cowboys were trailing and had no chance to win. Think the Buffalo Bills game last Thanksgiving. He threw over over 300 yards, but all of that came in the second half of the Cowboys. The game was over. Yeah. He was able to go up and down the field. His numbers versus playoff teams were horrendous. One and seven. Uh, touchdown to interception was eight to eight, one to one. Just didn't play very well. He has all sorts of issues here. His, his numbers against top 10 defenses, bad. You know, uh, I think the stat uh, that they're now bringing out now is I think against those top, those top defenses, he had not, it was even nine or 12, I forget which one, nine or 12 chances in the fourth quarter. To take the lead or tie the game, he put a big donut. Hmm. And that's not good. The only thing he did was tough two field goals. So, he, he, and I think what really bothers Jerry Jones, maybe most of all, is that Philadelphia Eagles game. Okay. You were playing against a team that had backups to the backups. Right. You were awful. You were just awful. You didn't play well. You, you laid an egg. You just laid an egg that game for whatever reason. All that's to be said is, Dak still has all the leverage. He what certainly does. Do? What are you going to do? Are you going to go back and hope you draft? They got lucky with Dak. They got yep. lucky with Romo. Romo was an undrafted. Dak was fourth round. You're not, it's not like Jerry Jones believes in taking a quarterback in the first round and developing one. He does not. He gets lucky with his quarterbacks. You mentioned it. Dak's going to get $69.2 million this year. At least. At least. At, least. At $70 yeah. million. Dak is going to be just fine financially. Right. And I'll tell you one thing. If... If the Cowboys franchise him next year and they, uh, a year from now they still can't work out a new deal, my guess is Dak is playing for a new team the season after that. Yep, yeah, that's what I would think. It just becomes exorbitant, and at some person, that's why I mentioned the Kirk Cousins comparison, right? Because I, I, I kind of feel here, George, that the Cowboys flew a little bit too close to the sun here, and they're, and they're getting burned, because you're right. They don't have many options here. It is Dak with all the leverage, because what he also has behind door number two is the open market. Okay, so you could say Dallas doesn't want to go to 35, but guess what? One of the other 31 teams will, you know, and so Dak, and Dak knows that because he is still in his prime. He is still, you know, a, a quarterback that it doesn't matter the random one or two games you can point to that may have specifically burned the Cowboys. You know, some other team will pay that market value for Dak Prescott if he ever does hit the open market. So time is ticking for Dallas and they do not have the leverage. I wanted to ask you about it, though, from Dak's point of view. I know there is the open market, but two reasons for me where I would maybe consider 
some of these offers that you say Dallas has made that are good. We talked about those free agents last week, right? The Clownies and Everson Griffins and Logan Ryans of the world. And one of the things we said is that, you know, especially in this coronavirus context, I want to put my pen to paper on something. I don't know what the salary cap is going to look like. Will it just continue to grow automatically? Maybe it will shrink. And now getting my long-term deal is a good thing. In the same way that we talked about it with a lot of other free agents last weekend, George. And then, you know, last time I checked, football is still a violent game. We are assuming that Dak gets it gets through 16, 17, 14, 12, however many games this NFL season is going to be. We are still assuming he is the same kind of asset at the next offseason. And last time I checked, that's not a guarantee in this violent sport of football. Listen, if I'm Dak, once again, assuming everything's fair, and I said the, the structure of the contract was, well, you know, the normal structure, you're getting your money, I'm taking the $34 million and the, yeah. the $100 million guaranteed. I'm taking that. There's no doubt I'm taking sure. that. Uh, even the extra fifth year, I don't care about the extra year. I'll be a free agent again when I'm 31, 31, 30. I'm still getting another huge contract. Right. So it doesn't bother me. You're playing in Texas, no state income tax. That's more money for me. Mm-hmm. You're playing for the Dallas Cowboys. You're going to have the star gets you more opportunities for sure. Up the, up the wazoo, right? That's more money for you. Money's not a problem anymore. It's just not. I, I think this has come down to Dak. Not that, once again, not that the Cowboys did anything wrong here. He's just made the system that he didn't get paid for a couple of years. So now he wants every last dime he can get. And that, that's fine. That's his right. But if I'm a player, I'm not risking that. Hmm. What if somebody rolls into my legs? I tear my You're ACL. You're going for the long-term yeah. security now, right? right. Even and coronavirus only would accelerate that for some. Dak is willing to take on that risk for the pot of the gold that is still a little bit further at the end of the rainbow. We shall see. But I know as a Cowboys fan, you hope he makes it through the season and produces just fine this year, right, George? So there was another name I mentioned, and it was Yannick Ngakwe. And this is a stud pass rusher. Okay, George, but listen, the you talk about maybe the uh, silence between Dak and Dallas. There is no shortage of back and forth between Ngakwe and Jacksonville. It is just not in a good way. A few, Maybe a month ago, you probably saw him and uh, I think it was not Shad Khan, but Tony Khan, the brother, going back and forth, you know, trade me, trade me. They didn't trade him. They didn't sign him. So he's going to play under the franchise tag. I wonder, can they still move him this summer, George? Sure, you can trade them. But then again, the new team, the problem is this. Everybody knows about right. the tension. And that's yeah. being nice, by the way, to call it tension. So what kind of leverage are you going to get back? Yeah, You've got none. You should have traded him during a draft. You should have taken the best offer you possibly could have gotten and traded him during a draft. That's generally when you're going to get these best offers. Now you keep hearing, well, we're going to keep it until we get the, uh, the offer we want. You're never going to get the offer you want. Right. It's not going to happen. You're not getting multiple first-round picks or anything like that. It's not going to happen. And going here. back and forth in Twitter isn't going to help. It only changes it from getting 90 cents on the dollar to 75 cents on the dollar. And that's that's on the Glockway as well. As well, He's sure. got to realize that you're hurting the team. You want to get moved. You can't be doing this because everybody now goes, no, Dave Martinez, you're the uh, GM of a football team. I'm a GM of a football team. I'm like, oh, nice price just going down. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, and that's just the way the game is played. You know, and everybody's waiting for it because they think Jacksonville has no chance, uh, no choice. And also here in the Glockway, he's not going to play at all. Forget, you know, you're like a franchise. He's not signing. He's not coming. You know, and this is a weird year, Dane, because, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm of the belief that they won't play 17 games, six, 16 okay. games, right, okay. 16 this year. I'm sure there are players who think the same thing. So, like, you know what? If I'm going to hold out, this is the year to do it. We're not going to play a full season anyway. Why not hold out this year and make a statement here, Force a, sort of force the team's hand here? So I kind of like that on his part as far as a business plan that's coming here. But I think Jacksonville screwed this up, Dane, badly. I think you had to move him during the draft or shortly after the draft. Right. For, if you could have gotten a two and a four, you take the two and the four and you move on. I understand he's worth more than that. He's a very, very good player. But he's not Aaron Donald. He's not no, a fair enough. wrecker. But he's yeah. a really good He is a quality pass rusher, right? And there is certainly a market in the NFL for a quality pass rusher. But I think you make a good point. The idea of going the Lev Bell, Melvin Gordon, Earl Thomas route may be different in this kind of season where it's up in the air. It may not. It may prove to be an interesting gamble. I like that point, George. I mentioned Bud Dupree and Shaq Barrett as well. They are technically three, four linebackers, George, right? And so their franchise tag is around $15 million, as opposed to the defensive end 
pass rusher tag at a little over $17 million. Now, Bud Dupree is certainly an edge rusher. Shaq Barrett led the league in sacks last year. Do you think these two guys and others would have a gripe about this? It's the same as like a tight end thinking he's really a wide receiver or Le'Veon Bell thinking he should have been paid as a second wide receiver as well. What do you think about this for Dupree and Shaq Barrett because of the 4-3-3-4 scheme they play in? Yeah, I think this is a little cheesy, what the NFL does or what the teams do here, I right. should say. Uh, I think it is. I don't understand what's so hard about this. Why can't you just review each play? Where does he line up? Okay, this one is a linebacker. This one is a lineman. Right. You know, Didn't Jimmy uh, Graham go through this as well yes. a few years back? Yes, he tried that. And, you know, and go from there. You know, I, I guess for the for the offensive players, you mentioned Le'Veon Bell, Jimmy Graham, maybe there has to be a different title of, I don't know, don't we start? Have, don't we have that now? It's not just D lineman or linebacker. We literally have position. When I look at like the draft or on PFF, I literally see the position edge. Edge rusher, right? And that's his job to rush. Right. You know, just like the in the middle. And the middle market linebacker. should be good for that. That is a high profile market in this NFL. They'll go to an arbitrator, and I don't know what the arbitrator uses. I don't know mm -hmm. if he's using uh, like, like I said, he's ticking off the plays here. But in my mind, that's the easiest way. Yeah, it's the fairest way. Where does he line up? What is the team using him as? Because, Dave, you could play for me. You're my uh, starting wide receiver, but I'm going to call you a fullback. Sure. You know, <laughs> yeah. you've never, you know, call me silly. a three-down run-stuffing linebacker right. and see you know you I get offense. paid arbitration. No, I think you're right. Jimmy Graham did this. Like, with did he line up on the line or in the slot, I believe, a few years ago? And I think about, like, listen, I go to baseball. Dylan Batances in arbitration didn't have the save numbers, and so was he less valuable. Teams, you know, depressing it a little bit. And that's $2 million. And to guys like you and me, that certainly moves the needle. George, when we come back, you know, you mentioned Derrick Henry as a true workhorse. I want to bounce a story off you about Chargers running back Austin Eckler, and then find out really where have all the bell cows gone, George? Are they truly few and far between? We're going to play a game when we come back. Have a great weekend. It is In Game Live. George Kurtz and Dave Martinez coming right back after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. I'm Julian Edelman from Games With Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time. I'm talking Hall of Famers, MVPs, gold medalists. I absolutely hate the Colts, bro. This game, I swear, led to the deflate gate. Hey guys, this ball's a little flat. <laughs> Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Julian walking around, I'm pretty sure he had his shirt off for reasons I'm not sure. He was saying, gotta believe. Oh, you gotta believe. From 18-1 with Eli. Are you calling Bill just a cheater? Is that what you're I'm saying right saying now? He's, he's looking for an advantage. The 2004 ALCS with Big Pop the Red Sox in 2004 bounced back after the 3-0. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Homie. The immaculate reception with Terry Bradshaw. Fired the ball. I hear the roar of the crowd. I never thought he caught the ball, but he did. We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Tao of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali back in 1988, and to my great surprise, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on family, spirituality, and on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story and also stories of others touched by the champ, including people such as Reverend Al Sharpton, and James Buster Douglas. We'll even hear from Muhammad's daughter, Rashida. Well, my dad was, he was Peter Pan. Like he never really grew up. He was very mature when it came down to social issues. He was very in tune. He felt a responsibility to be able to share his connection to millions of people who were in need. In each of these stories, we share lessons, lessons that have meant a great deal to me and that I hope will be meaningful to you. Listen to The Tao of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. 
Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. Lily Herman, my co-host in season one, helped me choose a team, a driver, and then... Well, we sent you on your jolly way. Yeah. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. I'm Michael Costa, comedian, Daily Show correspondent. And we're back with season two because, as it turns out, F1's newest fan is still a little... Dazed and confused. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1 as we dive deeper into the rabbit hole of the pinnacle of motorsports. Who makes money here? What's CFD? How do you manage a tire? You, get back in there. What are the rumors? What's the gossip? But you also know that someone's listening to your radio. Uh, I'm going to pull up a picture of a tea cozy. I want to see what this thing looks like. Are you going to be doing that accent this whole pod? Listen to season two of Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts. Or wherever you get your podcast. You find it. Sports Grid. Get on the grid. Welcome back in, everybody, to In Game Live right here on Sports Grid. I'm Dane Martinez. He is George Kurtz. And we're catching you up on what's been going on in the sports world. One of the things that happened, you know, is that Derrick Henry did, in fact, sign a uh, an extension. I don't want to say long-term deal, but four years for a running back, especially the type of running back that Derrick Henry is, gives concerns to George and I. We talked about that a little bit earlier on in the show. But, George, you do have to admit, as you look into it, and I'm getting excited because I have, like, fantasy football drive draft invites starting to pile up, you know, and like, ooh, this Saturday I'm doing this. Ooh, what time am I doing this? You know, it's very intriguing. And so I've been wondering, I have a thesis. I've mentioned it on this network a number of times, but I don't think I've talked about it with you. And I know you're a huge fantasy football guy. I said it the night of the draft. George, I said that, you know, we're getting to this universe where there's so few bell cows, there's so few workhorses. There's even now a shrinking group of teams that are even timeshares. More and more teams literally have three or more as a committee, George. I'm reminded our good friend and old colleague, Scott Engel, the king, used to always check me on the difference between a timeshare and a committee. He would say a timeshare is when there's two, a committee is when there is three. And my thesis now, George, is that there are so many true committees happening these days in the NFL that the bell cows, the workhorses are few and far between. Derrick Henry is one of them. How many more would you say if you had to have a knee jerk reaction right now, if I set the line at like eight and a half bell cows or nine and a half bell cows still in the NFL, would you take the over or under? I'll take the under. Yeah. Um yeah, what would you say? Maybe seven, six? We're, we're going to go through them. I want to categorize a lot of them. But, like, what do you think without actually mentally going through the teams like I know you are? I was thinking more like five and a half would be the uh, the line, and I still might go under. You might go under that. So it's true, right? They are few and far between. They are evaporating not only as the NFL moves to a pass-heavy driven league, right? But that inspires the PPR back, the timeshare, and now even more, the committee becoming more and more in vogue. We see it not only in fantasy football. We talk about allocation financially and with draft picks to the running back position. This is truly happening, right? Well, the game has changed. The game has just changed. For the reason you said, obviously it's a passing league. Now every rule is designed for the passing league. But a lot of GMs or your, your pro personnel men, your scouts, they just don't believe the running back can take the pounding of 30, you know, 30 touches. It's a ball in. <laughs> you can't do it. Emmett Smith back in the day, Barry Sanders, and you go back to the 80s and 70s and beyond that, Walter Payton and uh, guys like that. They just don't believe they can take the pounding. And they're probably right. Players are so much bigger. So mm-hmm. much faster. They're in shape. They're all built like tanks, you know, and they don't they don't think you can just take that pounding over and over again. When you see guys get 20 or more carries, like, whoa, yeah. whoa, 20 or more. Back, but yet 20 years ago, well, 30 years ago, uh, 30 or more was, it would be unusual to see Emerson run the ball 33 times for 142 yards. Absolutely. And every team, it seemed like, had that guy. 
right? Even if he wasn't one of the best in the league, they'd feed him the rock. And that is, you know, far less and less the case. And also, I think the idea of what these quote-unquote bell cows do, the definition is also changing. And I give to you the case of Austin Eckler, one of the top 10 running backs, right, in fantasy last year. Many people believe he's going to be one of the top 10 this year, whether you have him as an RB1 or a first-round pick. Maybe reasonable people can disagree. But I saw something that intrigued me here, George. He was on social media literally replying to someone talking about, you know, how his production is really efficiency-based and kind of that you can trust it consistently. He's saying, just because I don't get the ball 260 times handed to me, like you said, would be the norm, right, 20, 30 years ago, you forget that I line up all over the field. He says 30% of my snaps are not from in the backfield. I've mentioned guys like Le'Veon Bell as well. You know, backfields have all sorts of uh, different kinds of guys. More evidence of my timeshare and committee kind of thesis. He goes, if you want someone in your running back spot, that'll be the old school, just run the ball. I'm not your guy. If you're okay with your running back constantly making plays in every spot on the field, then I'm your guy. I kind of agree with him. Austin Eckler could be very much a 2020-style featured running back, George. Yes. Uh, listen, if you're playing in a standard league, which, let's face it, it's not standard anymore, uh, then I get it. Well, you're, uh, well, you're going right. to say Austin Eckler, okay? Because he's going he's gonna to make a lot of his, uh, his money, a lot of his points off catches. If you're not giving any points for that, okay. You know, we don't know how they're going to handle the goal line, all right? Is he going to be the man? Is he not going to be the man? So there's some worry with Austin Eckler. That being said, I mean, I have him literally at number 10 in my mm -hmm. rankings. So he's right there at top 10. I can, I can understand you can make some arguments to move him up or even move him down. You know, I do have Kenyon Drake above him. Maybe you want to see Drake huh. do it again. I have Chubb below him. Maybe he's right there at the Chubb, there. Sanders, Mixon. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jacobs is probably there too, right? Yes, they're all the same tier. Yep. These are all guys. I like them all. I would take any of them, but I get it. Uh, I think Eckler, he was really good last year when Gordon was out. Really good. Oh, yeah. All right, I might worry a little bit about the passing offense. Tyrod Taylor, you know, uh, Herbert, when's he going to play? But then again, it wasn't like Philip Rivers was all that great last year. Right. You know, Philip Rivers should be very thankful that Jameis Winston was in the league last year. Everyone forgets that he threw a truckload of interceptions as well. Yeah, so uh, running back is difficult in fantasy. There's a reason why we all go, you know, bananas, crazy to get one of those top guys because Damn. after – you know, to those top guys, everyone else has warts. You can, okay, I don't like this because of this guy. The problem is you got to find somebody. You don't, mm -hmm. I don't like zero running back strategy. I've never been a big fan of that. That's not to say I haven't done it. Some drafts have fallen like that where, you know what, every time I pick, it was just somebody better at a wide receiver right. or a tight end. But you guys think a running back somewhere, you're going to have to take chances. We all are. Very few of us are going to have a true bell cow. So, so here's the thing, and I agree with you, and to be quite honest, I now believe because of these facts and this theory that we are talking about, I actually believe even more so I'm going to go running back, running back, George, at the top of my drafts this year. I may even try. I'm going to try and load up as much as possible because they are few and far between here. Let's show the people exactly how much you said, maybe six, maybe seven. I'm going to lay out four categories for you, George. OK, category A. This team has a bell cow. We know his name. Number one, you know, first round pick. Boom. Okay. Then there's another category with timeshare. Okay. Where that is a backfield, maybe of two, maybe there's a prototypical pass catching back in there. Category three, though, is the one I'm intrigued by, the one that I think is growing more and more, George, and that's the true committee. When there are literally three or more people where on any given week, you are not sure which one is going to lead. Right off the top of my head, I think of San Francisco in this way. I think of New England in this way. I think now maybe of Kansas City in this way. There's other teams that will come to mind as we think about it, especially when you consider what teams did in the draft this year, George. The Colts already had two running backs. They draft Jonathan Taylor. The Packers already had two running backs. They draft A.J. Dillon. You know, the Detroit Lions already like Kerryon Johnson. They go and get DeAndre Swift. I think it is more and more going to a two and even three-headed monster at the running back position. And then, George, the fourth category will be teams where the quarterback is a legitimate part of the running back committee. So with those four categories, George, how do you think the teams in the NFL will shake out? I, listen, you're going to see very few number ones from here on out. I mean, this is why we don't see running backs go in the first round. Oh, because nobody 
there are very few Saquon Barkley's coming out who can mm-hmm. do everything, be that, you know, they're big bruising back, or they can be the catch, catch the ball of the backfield. It seems like we're seeing a lot of players who are just specialists almost. Mm-hmm. Either they're very good at catching the ball or they're very good at running the ball. Not so much both. You know, it's almost like in baseball where, you know, when you're in the minor leagues or let's say high school, you can pitch and you can hit, but eventually you have to choose one. You're not going right. to be both. You're either right. going to be a very good pitcher, you're going to be a very good hitter. Choose one, specialize, get very, get great at it. It's and you know, I don't want to say the same thing at running back, but we are seeing that quite a bit where there's very few guys who can do both. One right. thing you have to do, no matter where you're going to go, is you better be able to pick up that blitz. You can't pick up that blitz. It doesn't matter how good you are at one or the other two. You're not playing. Yeah, a lot of rookies, pass protection is what keeps them off the field. As a rookie, you mentioned some teams and some bell cows in the NFC East, George. You talked about Saquon Barkley. I know your team has one of the few bell cows remaining still in the NFL. I find it intriguing, though, the rest of that division. Is Miles Sanders a bell cow, George? I mean, it depends on how you look at it. He's not built to be a bell cow, and he shouldn't be a bell cow. And Doug Peterson generally doesn't like bell cows. Right. But- and that's why they've lot. been mentioned in the pond, right? They've talked to Devontae Freeman. They talked to Carlos Hyde. They talked to Shady McCoy. When the season starts, will this backfield be Miles Sanders or will he be sharing it with a vet? See, when, you put, it, you, when you put it that way, if you would ask me right now, right now he's a bell cow. Right now. But week no, one, your fantasy. No. He, I think it'll be a uh, – I'll call it a time. Right? I don't think it'll be a committee. I think it'll be a timeshare. All right. Uh, the other team in that division may, in fact, be a committee. What about the Washington football team, which we don't know what their name is yet, but you know there's Peterson. I always like Darius Geis if he can stay healthy. They don't have Chris Thompson anymore, which was their pass-catching back, but they did draft a kid who's supposed to be a Swiss Army knife for them. How would you classify Washington? They're close to a committee. Right? All right. I mean, you got Geis and Peterson, so you got two, so you're at least a timeshare. What about Gibbs? You got Gibson, plus you got Bryce Love, too. He can never get healthy. This is a committee. This is a committee, George. I'm I'm, I'm leaning towards that. Uh, And McKissick as well, by the way, who can catch the ball. Well, you're only furthering my point, right? Okay, let's go to the AFCs. Let's go to the AFCs. Um, New England, we know they probably led the way on committees, right? Buffalo, I think, is interesting. They get Singletary, but then they double up this year in the draft and get Moss. I could be intrigued. If you tell me this is 70-30 Singletary, I'll show you a good RB, too. If you show me this is a more balanced timeshare, then I want shares of Zach Moss late in fantasy drafts. How do you see this Buffalo backfield? TJ uh, Yeldon, I think, would be there still, too. A couple of things here. Why'd you draft Moss? If you love Singletary so much, why are you drafting uh-huh. Moss? Once again, running backs seem to grow on trees, right? We don't draft them early in the NFL. You take a one, you're going to use them. Going to use them. Plus... Okay. Couldn't they go in? Couldn't this team be in your category four? Yes, because Josh Allen is a legitimate piece of their rushing attack. You make a very good point. And so, George, I'm going to put the Buffalo Bills as the first team in category number four. Right now, I've got more committees than anything, George, and that goes to my point. We've only got a couple of minutes, but I want to keep playing this game because this is what we can do here, George. We can go deep into this and figure out what it means for our fantasy draft because like you said, is they're, they're going quick. You may need to prioritize this, okay? We're going to talk through the teams. We're going to pick it up right there in the AFC East, go around the league because, George, you said six and a half. It may be under. I'm not sure. We'll figure it out when we come back. George Kurtz and Dane Martinez investigating the uh, workhorse bell cow myth in the NFL when we come back right here on Endgame Live. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Dow of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali back in 1988, and to my great surprise, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on family, spirituality, and on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story and also stories of others touched by the champ, including people such as Reverend Al Sharpton and James Buster Douglas. We'll even hear from Muhammad's daughter, Rashida. Well, my dad was, he was Peter Pan. 
Like he never really grew up. He was very mature when it came down to social issues. He was very in tune. He felt a responsibility to be able to share his connection to millions of people who were in need. In each of these stories, we share lessons, lessons that have meant a great deal to me and that I hope will be meaningful to you. Listen to The Tao of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Julian Edelman from Games with Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time. I'm talking Hall of Famers, MVPs, gold medalists. I absolutely hate the Colts, bro. This game, I swear, led to the deflate gate. Hey, guys, this ball's a little flat. <laughs> Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Julian walking around. I'm pretty sure he had his shirt off for reasons I'm not sure. He was saying, gotta believe. Oh, you gotta believe. From 18-1 with Eli. You call Bill just a cheater? Is that what you're I'm saying right saying now? He's, you... he's looking for an advantage. The 2004 ALCS with big top. The Red Sox in 2004 bounced back after 3 0. We never win a chicken dinner. Homie. The immaculate reception with Terry Bradshaw. Fired the ball. I hear the roar of the crowd. I never thought he caught the ball, but he did. We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. Lily Herman, my co-host in season one, helped me choose a team, a driver, and then... Well, we sent you on your jolly way. Yeah. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. I'm Michael Costa, comedian, Daily Show correspondent. And we're back with season two because as it turns out, F1's newest fan is still a little... Dazed and confused. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1 as we dive deeper into the rabbit hole of the pinnacle of motorsports. Who makes money here? What's CFD? How do you manage a tire? You, get back in there. What are the rumors? What's the gossip? But you also know that someone's listening to your radio. Uh, I'm going to pull up a picture of a tea cozy. I, I want to see what this thing looks like. Are you going to be doing that accent this whole pod? Listen to season two of Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts. Or wherever you get your podcasts. You find it. Welcome back in, everybody, to In Game Live. George Kurtz and I talking about the running back position. It's so interesting, right? I mean, running backs are holding out, yet the Tennessee Titans decided to dedicate the next four years to a guy like Derrick Henry to be their workhorse. So that makes me maybe want to get him, too. So, George, we were talking about the different teams, timeshares, where quarterbacks are a big piece of the running game as well. Which of these categories do you think are going to have the most teams? I honestly am unsure as we are going to continue to play this out. Well, I know it's not one. All right? And I know it's not four. And not the quarterback category, huh? Right. Hmm? So it's, a, it's, it's not the sandwich. It's going to be the meat. All right. Um, I would probably – I think offhand I, – I, I didn't look during the commercial. I'm not going to little ticks. I'm going to go with committee. I think okay. it's going to be committee, but I, it could go either way here, and it might be tied. All right, well, let's play it out. We picked up in the AFC East. New England is obviously a committee. Actually, wait a second. New England has always been a committee. However, with the signing of quarterback Cam Newton, George, are they still a committee or would they be in that category four now? Well, I mean, it depends on how well do you believe Cam's ankle, right? They they better hope they're in category four. Because if they're not in category four, they're in trouble. I would think so, right? They're going to utilize him as such, I would think. they, would. they, Whether or not he does that, defensive coordinators have to assume it, right? And that's what the offense needs in terms of bringing an eighth guy in the box and all sorts of other things. So you know what? We're going to put New England in the quarterback legit category. We said Buffalo also in the quarterback legit category. That makes it very, very interesting for the defenses in this division. One of them is Greg Williams and the New York Jets. Is Le'Veon Bell. A bell cow. They drafted the kid P. Ryan. They got Frank Gore there as well. How much do you expect out of those two to eat into Lev Bell's workload? This is a weird one because he yeah. should be the bell cow. But yeah. Gase doesn't use him as a bell cow. Gase doesn't seem to like him for whatever reason. Gase didn't want to sign him. All right. This seems to be an ownership signing from last year or a GM before he uh, got the boot to make a big splash here. I mean, it's silly to say that this is 
probably more, it's not a timeshare, because it's not someone equal with him, unless you think Perrine's going to be that guy. So I guess it's either, either going to stick with the bell cow and bell, yeah. as a pawn for you, or it's a committee. It's not a timeshare. I can't see it being a timeshare with Bell and Perrine. Gore's going to play some, but not a lot right. here. I'm probably still leaning towards uh, Bell Cow here, okay. but uh, it's Gase that just me throws too. me off. Me too. As a Jets fan, I want Lev Bell to be a Bell Cow. I want him to be a Bell Cow behind a revamped offensive line with Sam Darnold without having Mono as an ascending third-year quarterback. He should be a Bell Cow. I think we have one of our um, clearest answers. With the last team in this division, though, George, I think Miami is a straight-up timeshare. They brought in Jordan Howard. They brought in Matt Breida to play what is more prototypical, I believe, thunder and lightning kind of roles. Do you agree? Yes, they're, they're, that's an easy timeshare. I wish they would have done more as far as maybe a better running back overall with all the extra draft picks they had. And I love what Miami's done this offseason. I love it. I don't think they're going to be a laughing stock at all. They're going to be. This is a team to watch in a couple of yes. years. I, but uh, I wish they would have done a little bit more here. Maybe that's the plan next year. Yeah, but I, I would say, there. George, no, I like this team construction to your, your exact point. They could have in the first round, in the second round, they had a ton of picks. They could have drafted DeAndre Swift. They could have drafted Jonathan Taylor, but they would be painting themselves in the same exact corner we've been talking about with a guy like Ezekiel Elliott, with a guy like Leonard Fournette, what's on the horizon with a Joe Mixon or a Saquon Barkley. I think they did the smart thing and decide to piece it together. Like I like to say, they have it in the form of two brains and four ACLs instead of one brain and two ACLs, which I think is good. And they can be serviceable with this Timeshare. Let's go to the NFC North, George. I got to think that the Bears are a timeshare with Montgomery and Cohen. Do you agree? Or do you think Trubisky runs enough? I'm not so sure, so sure Trubisky's a starting the quarterback. Bulls runs and run enough. Right. They're a timeshare, all right? This, this is Miami again, timeshare. Okay, fair enough. I think this is another intriguing one in this division. Uh, in Green Bay, I think they are going to be a committee. They have Jamal Williams, you have Aaron Jones, but they use their second-round draft pick, George, on A.J. Dillon. Everybody's upset about the Jordan Love pick. I'm not so much. I understand that's the session planning. This is this kind of team construction we're talking about. All three of them are going to get looks, no? Well, I think this is why people are so upset about Green Bay. It's not so much just the Love pick. But then you followed up by taking a running back that you did not need for this season. I understand why they did it. Both running backs could be right. friends at the end of the year. I get it. They're playing the long game here. Uh, but once again, it's the same thing I said with Buffalo. You're not drafting this guy to go, hey, you can just sit on the bench. We'll see you next mm -hmm. season. He's going to play. We know Jamal Williams is going to play. I mean, if you're an Aaron Jones owner, I don't know what to tell you. I like the kid. I think he's very good, but you got issues. Yeah, but here's the thing. I agree. Aaron Jones led the NFL in rushing touchdowns last year, right? And if you look at A.J. Dillon, shout out to our boy Mike Blewett in Boston College, the way he plays, he's going to be the goal line back probably, right? How much of a hit to Aaron Jones' fantasy value is the presence of A.J. Dillon, especially when you consider vulturing touchdown potential? Wasn't having Jamal Williams there annoying enough? Yes. <laughs> now yes. he's throwing in Dillon, annoying. too, and you mentioned it, and I, I agree with you. I think that could, that might be his one big role. That's the role. Yardage, right? So that's annoying because we need those. Obviously, we need those touchdowns. I'm not breaking news here. Right. So it, it hurts. That's why he's in that. You know, rather being the top uh, five might be being nice. Rather than being that five to seven range, he's more the next tier. Right. Uh, they have issues in Green Bay. This is a committee to me. Okay, I agree with you. This is a committee, and in this process, I'm going to tell you something. Aaron Jones is one of the main people that I think gets hurt by this committee approach that Green Bay is doing. Maybe second only to Marlon Mack, but we'll get to him in a little bit. In this division, I believe we've got another bell cow, George. As long as the man can stay healthy. I'm talking about Dalvin Cook in Minnesota. Do you agree? Do we? He says he's not playing. Yeah, all right. You want to talk to me about Madison and Boone's Farm? I mean, I'll give you this. If Dalvin Cook is there, it's a bell cow. Okay. All right. I love Madison. I think he's a very good back. And I think in some ways, you know, you can see Minnesota going, why? Well, we, we, we could have just had Madison not to have to worry about Dalvin Cook. And I think that's mm -hmm. what hurts Dalvin Cook's leverage here is that Minnesota's like, you know what? Yeah, he's, Madison may not be Dalvin Cook, but he's 85% of you. That's right. We'll win. We'll still <laughs> win with, uh, with that Madison, so we're not going to pay you. You know, just, once again, teams don't, don't, like, don't like to pay the running back here. It's a bell cow. But right. without Cook there, because even without Cook, it's still a bell cow, just that Madison's right. a bell cow rather than Cook.
Yeah, and in Detroit, another example of this, okay? They draft DeAndre Swift, who many people believe was the top running back off the board right after, like, it was only a year or two ago that they were so high on Kerryon Johnson. We've heard a lot of other names, Ty Johnson, other pass-catching backs. At the end of the year, they were running Bo Scarborough out of Alabama out there. I will, however, say that if everybody is healthy, I think the Lions are best served, George, if this is a timeshare between Swift and Carrion, what would you say? I, I give it a timeshare as well. I think they drafted Swift because Carrion can't stay healthy. Right. right you got, that's the issue. They wanted to cover themselves there. I probably wouldn't have done that if I'm Detroit. I think I would have gone a different direction. I do understand it. Uh, but uh, this is a timeshare for me. Once again, you, dra- you didn't draft Swift to sit him. Carrion is, if he, could, if, he, if he had, you know, the ability to stay healthy, which is the most important ability to me in all sports, mm-hmm. be no, he wouldn't be there. But he doesn't have that ability. Timeshare. Yeah, Herman Edwards says the greatest ability is availability. availability. And absolutely, that is the truth. But if they're both healthy, you got to think Carry On will still be involved because he does have talent um, as a back. In the AFC North, listen, I've got a very – I think this one is interesting because – the personnel on the roster may suggest one thing, but what I've seen out of this coach for years would suggest another, and I'm talking about in Pittsburgh, okay? Pittsburgh has always seemed to go with a three-down workhorse, whether it was Le'Veon Bell, even when he was out and suspended, then D'Angelo Williams became a workhorse for a few weeks. I know there's Connor there. I know there's Samuels there. I know there's Benny Snell there. They even draft the kid McFarland out of Maryland. However, under Tomlin, the Steelers have generally been a one-feature-back kind of offense. Right, George? They have. That is their history. That's what okay. they like to do. Was I Connor going to be the belt now? I, I, don't think that, I don't think Connor can be that guy. That's the problem. He's the be- their best back. Okay. But I don't think he can be that guy. He's been hurt both seasons now. True. Right? So I think he's another guy who just – if you, even if you wanted to go that direction, it can't be Connor. you got to go out and find somebody else. Okay. So in my mind, the argument here is going to be timeshare or okay. committee. And boy, a lot of names in there, a lot of names. That's, that's the problem. When you look over names here and the fact that they drafted somebody as well, yeah. I'm going to lean towards committee. But if you wanted to put up an argument for a timeshare, yeah. this is not something I would get on my soapbox home and really go, oh, no, you're wrong. Because I, I could see it from that point of view as well. Fair enough, fair enough. And I don't mean to be silly, I swear. But remember, James Conner is also a cancer survivor. Um, So in this coronavirus season where there are certain players in the NFL that are more higher risk than others, James Conner certainly fits in that category. Something to also just keep of note. I'm not trying to make light of it, but as you're handicapping these things and when you're thinking about drafting James Conner, that maybe should be in the calculus as well. In Cleveland, George, we got straight up timeshare, right, with Chubb and Hunt. Or do you believe Nick Chubb is a bell cow? I think he could be. I think he could be. And you can make it you know, I mean, he should. This is another one where, boy, you really wish Kareem Hunt wasn't there. Right. Hunt really hurts. Nick Chubb, without Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb is, in my opinion, is a top seven pick. Oh, but, with, but with Kareem Hunt there, he's not. No. He flows, he wants, he flows into that tier we talked about That's before with those guys. He's a great running back. I'd love, to, I'd love to have him, but Kareem Hunt, they didn't, and they re-signed him, too, and Kareem Hunt was good last year. This is the definite, I think this is the best timeshare in the game as far as uh, Chubb and Hunt go. I think I buy that. I think I agree with you on that one. There is a bell cow, though, in this division, in my opinion, and he resides in Cincinnati, George. Do you agree? Is Joe Mixon a straight-up bell cow? Especially, I don't even think Bernard is still there. Is Gio even still there? Uh, Giovanni Bernard is still there. So okay, but it's still, this is all still bro Mixon, right? And they keep, they keep drafting running backs, by the way. All right, they, they yeah. drafted uh, Rodney Anson, Jeremy yeah. Williams. They keep trying. Uh, with that being said, if you this would be if we would have had this conversation three four years ago, it would be a timeshare, right? With Geo being the ca- pass catching right. back. But nowadays, this is listen. They don't have much of an offense, even with Joe Burrow there. It's yeah. Mixon. Give him the ball, fix the offensive line, and run the ball. Give Burrow some help there. Joe Mixon all day. I'll I'll take him. Maybe not top ten, but he's really right there. Yeah, he definitely is. And here's the thing. As he performs as a bell cow this season, uh, 
that you know second contract is only going to be more and more expensive, George. And then I think we have a clear categorization for the last team in this division, the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, they have the MVP on their roster. Oh, yeah, and he's something of a running quarterback, I would say. The funny part, though, honestly, is even without Lamar, this is a committee. When you sure, talk about Mark Ingram, Gus Edwards, they draft Dobbins, right? Who I expect to, you know, do some things this year as well. But because of Lamar Jackson, even more than in Buffalo or in New England, this is still category number four. It's pretty even right now so far, George. We've gone through half of the league. We'll go through the other half as our number two gets going here on In Game Live. But right now, it's anybody's race, George. This is fun. All right. Let's have a little game. Little game Let's up. play it out because I still don't know how it's going to find out. If you want to know, you got to come in and check us out in hour number two right here of In Game Live on Sports Radio. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. I'm Julian Edelman from Games With Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time. I'm talking Hall of Famers, MVPs, gold medalists. I absolutely hate the Colts, bro. This game, I swear, led to the Deflategate. Hey, guys, this ball's a little flat. <laughs> Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Julian walking around. I'm pretty sure he had his shirt off for reasons I'm not sure. He was saying, gotta believe. Oh, you gotta believe. From 18-1 with Eli. You call Bill just a cheater? Is that what you're I'm saying right saying now? He's, he's looking for an advantage. The 2004 ALCS with big poppy. The Red Sox in 2004 bounced back after the 3-0 in a winner chicken dinner. Homie. The immaculate reception with Terry Bradshaw. Fired the ball. I hear the roar of the crowd. I never thought he caught the ball, but he did. We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Tao of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali back in 1988, and to my great surprise, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on family, spirituality, and on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story and also stories of others touched by the champ, including people such as Reverend Al Sharpton, and James Buster Douglas. We'll even hear from Muhammad's daughter, Rashida. Well, my dad was, he was Peter Pan. Like he never really grew up. He was very mature when it came down to social issues. He was very in tune. He felt a responsibility to be able to share his connection to millions of people who were in need. In each of these stories, we share lessons, lessons that have meant a great deal to me and that I hope will be meaningful to you. Listen to The Dial of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. Lily Herman, my co-host in season one, helped me choose a team, a driver, and then... Well, we sent you on your jolly way. Yeah. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. I'm Michael Costa, comedian, Daily Show correspondent. And we're back with season two because, as it turns out, F1's newest fan is still a little dazed and confused. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1 as we dive deeper into the rabbit hole of the pinnacle of motorsports. Who makes money here? What's CFD? How do you manage a tire? You, get back in there. What are the rumors? What's the gossip? But you also know that someone's listening to your radio. Uh, I'm going to pull up a picture of a tea cozy. I, I want to see what this thing looks like. Are you going to be doing that accent this whole pod? Listen to season two of Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts. Or wherever you get your podcasts. You find it. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Tao of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali in 1988, and surprisingly, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on the purpose of life itself. 
I'll tell you that story and also stories of others touched by the champ. Listen to the Dow of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Julian Edelman from Games with Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time with the players and coaches who lived in them. Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Or what about the, the after parties? We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. We did, but honestly, I was left with more questions than answers, Tony. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. And I'm Michael Costa, comedian from The Daily Show. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1. Our F1 102, if you will. And get all of the answers. All of them? Listen to Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.